It was just cool to hear De Niro say Toledo. Like Todd yeah. Kowalczyk in the introduction, like in <laughs> yeah. the montage of the basketball game. This yeah. is Toledo. It is episode nine of Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts, brought to you by The Blade. My name is Corey Christen, and thank you for listening to this episode 9. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you all, about a week late, but some of you may be still chowing down on the leftovers. I know I am. Pumpkin pie. Never too late to have pumpkin pie. Sitting to my left, sports columnist David Briggs. Sup, guys? Sitting in front of me, sports editor Scott McNeish. Hello. Sitting to my right, technical producer Phil Kaplan. I actually made the last great Thanksgiving leftover turkey sandwiches of 2019 last night, if you guys are wondering. <laughs> they went out, one was on Texas toast, one was on yeah. soft wheat, cranberry, mayo, cameo by some mm. peppers. Is this a knife and fork sandwich? My pets wept with envy. No, these were each, they were each half sandwiches. It was... Glorious. You made ha- a bunch of little finger I foods. I made two half sandwiches for because that's how much turkey I had. Sure. But I knew I wanted diversity. I just got the turkey and the pumpkin pie and the cheesy potatoes still going right now. So Solid. I'm happy with that. Who else is still eating up right now? Ohio State football. And we're talking a lot of Ohio State football, rightfully so, because they very well may be, in fact, probably are the best college football team in the country. Now at 12-0. and and Ohio State at number one again in the college football playoff ranking. They get number eight, Wisconsin, a rematch for the Big Ten title. Now, Ohio State won that 38-7 back in week nine. But Briggs, coming off of this win against Michigan, we'll get to some of that, some of those takeaways from that game in a little bit because you were there at the big house. Just a short little glimpse at Ohio State-Wisconsin. I think Kyle Rowland mentioned it last time we recorded. It's that... If you gave Ohio State coaches some truth serum, they probably don't want Wisconsin again. Do you believe any of that? Yeah, I guess in theory you don't want to play a, you know another team, a team you've already played. But Wisconsin's just not the kind of team that's built to give Ohio State trouble. It's going to be a, a sledgehammer game. They're going to try and control the line of scrimmage and, and run it down Ohio State's throat with um, with Jonathan Taylor, and they're just not equipped to do that with, with Ohio State's muscle on both sides of the line um, and defensive line in, in, in that case. We saw it in 2014. They were actually a favorite over Ohio State. Melvin Gordon, great player. Ohio State completely shuts him down in the 59 nothing win in the Big Ten title game. And, and we saw Jonathan Taylor. People are talking about him as the best running back in the country going into that first meeting in Columbus and you know he's completely outshined by by J.K. Dobbins, and in a in a in another respect, the Ohio State defense just no matter how good your running backs are, you're generally not going to succeed with those kind of sledgehammer backs against Ohio State when they're rolling. There's just too much speed, too much size, too much depth up front. So I I don't think if there was a team that could just air it out and maybe catch Ohio State on a hangover and. Maybe they could keep it close. I just don't think Wisconsin, they don't have the athletes, they don't have the scheme, they don't have anything to keep this close. Ohio State, a 16-point favorite opening up against Wisconsin. And keep in mind, this is a top-10 matchup. Last week against Michigan, Ohio State was not quite a double-digit favorite. In fact, it was the slimmest odds against Ohio State all season. Ohio State goes up to the big house, a 56-27 winner over Michigan. You wrote a column about it from Ann Arbor, about how this rivalry 
the gap has never been wider between Ohio State and Michigan. What were some of the takeaways that you had from that game on Saturday? Yeah, well, the big picture, like you mentioned, is just that the gap has has probably never been wider. It's crazy to think. Well, first of all, crazy stat. Last two years, Ohio State's hung 62 and 56, combined 118 points. That's more than Michigan allowed in the 10-year war combined. So that tells you the uh, the level of dominance we're seeing right now. But it's interesting because Ohio State obviously was rolling when Harbaugh got here in 2014. Um, it was going to take a while to catch up. And yet, somehow, five years later, the gap has only grown wider. It's hard to it's it's hard to fathom, but Ohio State's recruiting at a level matched only by Alabama, probably Clemson and Georgia are close. Michigan's kind of in that ten to fifteen range recruiting, but it's just it's just a completely different world for Ohio State right now. You know, you you saw it on the field. Their athletes just take over and they completely controlled both lines of scrimmage. I think they could have thrown, you know, you or I out there a quarterback and you'd still move them, you know, halfway to Toledo off the off the line their Ohio State's offensive line on every play. I mean, clearing those holes. So it's just a. It, it's just interesting. It's it's in a way it's it's sad for the state of the rivalry because you don't really foresee it changing anytime in the future. Ohio State should be just as good next year. I don't. I envision Michigan taking a step back, um, kind of like I wrote. You know, he's Harbaugh's zero and five, but and that's problem enough. But worse is that he feels like you know he's zero for five going on forever. It just this is kind of always going to be their their kryptonite at Michigan and and. Uh, it's kind of just felt like it was hammered home more than ever on on Saturday again. At least it will until it's not again. This rivalry's ebbed and flowed ever since it's really began, and right now Ohio State winning eight in a row. And Scott, I'll get your perspective here in a second, just from your takeaways of the game. But Briggs, looking at Michigan now, I mean the basic level question here is where does it go from here? Because two of the past three recruiting classes have been very good, right around the top ten. You got. Jim Harbaugh, who had all this hype and all this steam coming in as the Michigan head coach a few years back, but they've shown the ability to beat basically everybody but Ohio State. So, again, the surface question is, where does this go from here for this Michigan football program? Yeah, it's a great question, and I will take a little little bit of issue. They, they've shown they can beat everyone but Ohio State. Harbaugh is actually 2-5 and five against top 10 teams that aren't Ohio State, so struggled with pretty much in any big game. Um I think it's interesting people are kind of trying to lower the expectations now. The same Michigan fans when Harbaugh came that said, oh, man, this is great. He's going he's gonna to get us up to Ohio State's level. He's going to make us the best modern version of ourselves. He's going to you know, have us in the playoff, at least knocking on that door, winning Big Ten titles every three or four years. And now we're kind of seeing, oh, well, you know, Ohio State's just the – just this juggernaut that that no one can compete with and just kind of throw up your arms. And I I just don't buy it. I mean, are you telling me you could not bring in another coach that would at least be halfway competitive with some of these teams? You think Matt Campbell or some of these guys would just get their doors blown off every single year or at least the last two years? So it's a little interesting that that Michigan has kind of just said, we're going to accept this and because it, it's going to continue in perpetuity unless they make a, <clears throat> a drastic change, whether it's looking in the mirror, changing a coach. I don't, I'm not saying they should fire Harbaugh, um, but it's going, it's going down an interesting path here. I still think Michigan's a top 10 job. The recruiting disadvantage is a little overblown. I mean, just look at Ohio State's roster. I mean, that's only 20, probably like 30-something percent of the roster is from Ohio now. 
um, it's a national it's a national job, and Michigan can be the same way. And people talk about academics as a as maybe a, a disadvantage. I completely disagree. I mean, it's something that separates you. And oh, by the way, as we've mentioned, it's not something that limits your pool of recruits to the extent that some people like to think. So I just think you know it's going to take a they're going to have to make more changes in the off season, probably to the coaching staff. I, I imagine Don Brown's out there. That would be completely nuts if you just run out the same defense after giving up 118 points in your biggest game in back-to-back years. And yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. It's it something has to change. They can't just say this is what Michigan is now, or else just drop to FCS. Ooh, that's, no, I'm, I'm, that's I'm kidding there, but it's a little steep. <laughs> still, they're still they're still making they're still making big time money. It's a successful financial operation, but if you're just going to say, "Oh, this is what Michigan is," then what are we even doing here? Scott, I'll bring you in here. What were some sure. of your takeaways from Saturday? I'm right there with Dave. I thought more along the lines of what is Michigan going to do more than, oh my goodness, Ohio State is that good because I think everyone already thought they were that good, so that really didn't surprise me. The fact that Michigan showed up for about 10 minutes that surprised me a lot I thought they would at least give them a game I thought they had things figured out but they're just nowhere near where Ohio State is and I'm right there with Dave where the expectations it's been fascinating how Michigan fans have lowered them to kind of match where they are so they can feel better about themselves I think that's really bizarre because when Harbaugh came in everyone was talking about when are they getting the natty <laughs> sure and and that's not even even a discussion right now you're not even the best team in your division so um i think it's been interesting to watch fans either be depressed because they know they're not even close to ohio state or say well it's not all about ohio state right and, I, and that has been a really weird split to to watch unfold and it's really interesting to hear the reasoning for both because you can go down either road, but until you beat Ohio State, you're not going to do anything. So you can walk around talking about how you have the most wins for now <laughs> um, and all that kind of stuff and who has it better than us and all that right. kind of stuff. That's that's fine, but you got to win some stuff right. every once in a while to justify and it. I, and I think going off that, there is something to be said. It is hard to judge Harbaugh off when Ohio's, this is the best Ohio State team I've seen in my lifetime. They'd probably beat any version of what Harbaugh has at this point this year. But he's had five years to get a quarterback, develop an offensive line, get his own recruits in. I mean, he has everything but an excuse, as we as we talked about. And still, they're a mile away from Ohio State. I mean, it, it, and, and on top of that, you know, you said, you know, they can't, they can't compete against Ohio State. I mean, they also couldn't compete against Wisconsin, couldn't compete against Penn State, and they did come back in the second half there. But And just, again, going off the it, – it's interesting to see the fan base, like you said. It's either just kind of depressed or it's always interesting to read a fan base's message boards after a, a loss like that. And if you look at Michigan's, there was a thread saying, we wish we could move the Ohio State game to mid-October – and kind of move the Michigan State game to the end of the year so that at least you could, you'd still get blown out by Ohio State every year, they reasoned, but at least you'd have some momentum going into the offseason. And then obviously along the lines of should we lower our academic standards? Should we have our players taking online classes? I mean, just kind of every excuse in the book that's that's kind of coming out after these, these games. So it's uh, five years in, this certainly is not where you want to be. I'm going to extract a point from each of what you two just said. Briggs, you mentioned the two and five that Harbaugh has versus top ten opponents. Two and ten, overall. 
Two and five versus nine Ohio State top ten. Oh, and five okay. versus Ohio State top well, ten. Well, you know what I meant. <laughs> yeah. You got what I meant. You smell what I was cooking. Oh, yeah. Scott mentions how the fan base has kind of compacted the expectations into the knowledge that Michigan can beat Penn State, the knowledge that Michigan can beat Michigan State, and they've done so, but the last eight years they have not done it against Ohio State. It's the perception versus the reality of the program. The perception of the program is that Michigan's this powerhouse king of the mountain where they're going to make the playoff every year, but the reality is when it truly matters, Jim Harbaugh and his team has shrunk to the occasion. I don't think it's going to get any better either, to be honest with you, because if you look at next year, Ohio State's going to be loaded again. Michigan does not have a quarterback. Imagine that. And uh, so then that's probably a loss. So you're talking year seven, <laughs> yeah. maybe, that he beats them. But, I mean, if you look at the – and I hate to keep coming back to the recruiting rankings, but, I mean, it, it is crazy. I mean, Ohio State, that was the one question under Ryan Day. Can he keep the, the recruiting machine at the level Urban Meyer has? And at least in his first year, the answer is a for sure yes. And I think the most fascinating stat in the class of 2020, Ohio State has eight recruits committed – that are higher ranked than Michigan's top recruit, including the top player from the state of Michigan. It's just not – if you look at the trend lines, if it seems bad now, it's not getting any better. I want to bring up an interesting column that I came across literally minutes before we hopped on air here from the Blade Building in downtown Toledo. And the theory behind it makes sense, and I think the logic makes sense, but the concept of it blows my mind slightly. Briggs, I want your reaction to this. The headline to this says, it would be smart for Ohio State to rest Justin Fields versus Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the thought just because if you they're pretty much in in the playoffs regardless of the result. I think if they lost, maybe they would drop down to the, the four seed, maybe even only the three, depending on what happens, because Wisconsin has two losses and you would have split the series with them. I do think you're walking a, a dangerous line, though, with the committee if you're just going to be resting your starters. I understand he's hurt, but he's already said, you know, he's ready to go. He came back in the Michigan game. If you're just going to rest the starters and kind of, I don't know, kind of give the middle finger to the championship game and, and, and say, you know, we don't care about this at all, I do think you're walking a dangerous line where the committee could say, on principle, send a message that this isn't acceptable. You have to treat these championship games like they matter. And we all know they don't really matter, and the committee has shown that. But if you're just outright saying, I understand I understand both sides of this, but I don't think you can really do that unless there's a, a legit excuse there. Fields was diagnosed with a sprained MCL in his left knee. That was – we all saw it. We all know it immediately when this whole topic comes up. The play against Michigan, he goes down holding his left knee. It looks terrible just on visuals, just on TV alone. It looks terrible. Eventually gets up, walks off at his own power, out a few plays, then throws a 30-yard touchdown pass like he never left. So what is the health of Justin Fields? Apparently he's fine. He's He's fine enough that Ryan Day so much so said that the plan is for him to play all 60 minutes against Wisconsin. And he's, uh, I I mean, judging by our predictions, I don't think he'll need to play all 60 minutes, but he will wear the bulky knee brace on his leg, and I assume there are not going to be many designed runs. He's just going to kind of be back there in the – and used in the throw game, which is pretty much all they'll they'll need him for, you would imagine. But yeah, I think they'll be they'll be careful with him, and then kind of unveil him back in full as the the true dual threat in the playoffs. Briggs, I'm sure we'll talk to you next week after said Big Ten championship game. Sounds good. Scott is for you. I want you to hang tight because we're going to talk a little Michigan hoops pretty soon here. Michigan goes from unranked to number four to playing a competitive game. 
for about 30 minutes or so against the number one team in the country, Louisville. Are we surprised by what Michigan basketball is doing under Juwan Howard, given the recruits, given the new coach? There's a lot to go into with Michigan basketball. So those of you listening in, stay tuned. We'll take a few seconds here for a timeout, and then we'll be joined again by Scott to talk over some Michigan basketball. All right, continuing on here on Glass City Game Time, just as we always do at the end of each show, where Blade Sports editor Scott McNeish sits down and we discuss a different topic or a broader topic. This week it might be a little bit of both, because entering this season with John Beeline leaving the Michigan men's basketball program, really, under Juwan Howard, we didn't know what would happen on the court as far as in the win-loss column. Well, all Michigan has done in the last week and a half here is beaten two top 10 teams and jumping from unranked at the number four team in the country. And yesterday, as we record this, that would have been on Tuesday, Michigan went down to number one Louisville in the ACC Big, ACC Big Ten Challenge, and they lost 58-43. to But, Scott, Michigan played relatively 30 minutes of competitive basketball before Louisville kind of separated themselves. But the concept of Michigan going from unknown with the new head coach to now number four, and they're competing with some of the top teams in the country. Are you really surprised by this? Oh, man, good question. Yes and no. Uh, surprised that they made that kind of jump, yes. But at the same time, it's not like they had bad players. They lost a lot of good players, but it's not like they had bad players and they had players who had experience in big games under Beeline. Um, I think the biggest question mark was Howard because – you don't really know what you're getting because he's never been a head coach. You don't know what kind of systems and all that kind of stuff. They open up the season against Appalachian State and almost blow this huge lead. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Um, but I think you saw the real Michigan in Atlantis. That is a tough draw to go from playing North Carolina to Gonzaga and then Louisville. They don't want to make that as an excuse. I think you can actually use it as one. Mm-hmm. That's almost like a March Madness kind of schedule well, it's uh, in rig- December. More it's more rigorous than that easily. Right. So I think that was tough. The other side of it is Louisville's really good. Like, I think everybody knew coming in that they were really good. They're the number one ranked team in the country for a reason. And Michigan lost to the best team as of right now. So, so a little bit of yes, a little bit of no to your question. But um, I think it's... It's far more fun and interesting when, when Michigan basketball is, is fun in the big time. I mean, we're not going to act like Jawan Howard was some spring chicken coming into this coaching gig. I mean, right. he spent six years as a Miami Heat's assistant, and that is compiling onto the four years he played in Miami alongside LeBron James when they were making title runs and playing deep into the playoffs and the Pat Riley umbrella. So it's not like he's coming from some podunk program and he all of a sudden fell into this Michigan thing. Michigan alum obviously knows the school and has I'm assuming followed the program as long as he's been involved with it so I think that when you look at the fits of course the fits there because of the familiarity and the alumnus but Michigan didn't have bad players but plugging Jawan Howard and it being an almost seamless transition this quickly I don't know how anyone could have foreseen that happening. Oh for sure and I think the the early reviews on Howard are very positive. And I, when I've talked about him, 
I've referred to him as the Captain America of college basketball, that he's almost too good to be true. He like he legitimately loves being at his school and loves that job and loves coaching. He's not just giving you words to chew on or to type or to broadcast. I think he's being honest. Like he really, really loves it. Him dancing after they won at Atlantis and all that stuff. I think he's like the real deal. I think he's actually telling the truth. And I think that that's going to be fun to see how that impacts recruiting because I think kids are going to want to play for him. Mm-hmm. Michigan seven and one. And that would actually keep the rivalry between Michigan state and Michigan afloat in the basketball world as well. I mean, think about how long Michigan state's just been dominant as a top 10 or top sure. five team in the country, making final fours under Tom Izzo. But now again, we're not acting like the Michigan basketball program has been terrible for years. And now all of a sudden, like they've, made national championship appearances recently. Sure. And now when you have Juwan Howard coming in, I guess people are still wondering why they're finding success so quickly. But also, to your point here, a lot of people that know the program this well are not surprised. Yeah, this is a team that I think you can still win a lot of games because they were so good defensively the last couple of years. They're always around the top of Division I um, in defensive statistics. So I think if they're able to shut down other teams, they can kind of figure their way out throughout the season to figure out the new offense and the new roles and all that kind of stuff, terminology, stuff that people probably don't even think about that these kids have to memorize. So... I think if you're able to just shut down teams like they did in Atlantis, um, if in a way they kind of did last night, they just didn't score. Um, I think that's going to be something that really helps them stay at a level that people are expecting. And they're going to need to. Big Ten is loaded. Like it's unbelievable how good the Big Ten is with Ohio State at number Mm -hmm. six and and Maryland. What are they? Three. Uh, Michigan State is still going to be good. Don't, count out Michigan State they do this every year <laughs> you play these big games yeah. and then they just are dominant in March so the Big Ten's going to be tough and Michigan's going to need to figure out a, a way to score but their defense will keep them in the game hey, you kind of stole my segue here you look You're welcome. at your number seven UNC number nine Gonzaga January 5th it's number 11 Michigan State not overlooking number 13 Oregon on December 12th you got number six Ohio State in February Michigan State again in February and then coming into March, Ohio State again, and then Maryland. The loaded Big Ten, Michigan has an incredible opportunity, and really anybody from the Big Ten could, but just the wave that they're riding right now, to build an amazing resume heading sure. into tournament time. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you're going to find out a lot about them very, very quickly. And I think you can say the same thing about Ohio State as we record this. Ohio State will play tonight against UNC. You'll probably listen to this and know what happened. We don't right now. No. But Ohio State has a chance to prove themselves tonight. It's going to be very, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting um, for Northwest Ohio with with Michigan, with Ohio State, with BG and UT, all really good at basketball. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't have the data in front of me, but I wonder when the last time a football top 10 matchup was also a men's sure. basketball top 10 matchup. Yeah. That, that's a thing that just doesn't happen. But looking at Michigan and Ohio State, very well could be possible down the road. Those of you listening at home, once again, please, if you liked the show, if you enjoyed listening to us, please find us on iTunes, find us on Google Play, find us on Spotify, and please subscribe and leave us a like rating. That's all we ask of you. Spread the word, share the word. So, for David Briggs... For Scott McNeish and for Phil Kaplan, my name is Corey Crisson. 
We'll talk to you next week right here on Glass City Game Time.